listening to the house of mercy on the water's edge was a man who met the savior so the gospel said waiting there he was with the lepers and the lame till an angel it was told down from heaven came folks tuned in from all around near and far just to listen to house of mercy waiting for the waters to stir we're just listening to the house of mercy waiting for the waters to stir. That as we wait for a baby to show people a way out of their small, pinched lives, a way to abandon themselves to the ever-present, unstoppable current of love that carries all things to radiant wholeness. That's Richard Lisher from something I read somewhere. Wow, that is really good. I don't even know who Richard Lisher is. But... Mm, I think he's some pastor somewhere. But oh. I don't really know either, to be honest. Oh, you but... found the quote, but it's a great quote. <laughs> I wrote it down when I was working on my sermon, and then I didn't go back and look where I found it. I just wrote it down, and I liked it. I like it, too. I like it a lot. Okay. Hey, well, everybody, this is the, uh, this is the Sunday service podcast for uh, the third week of Advent. Yeah. It snowed for about 15 minutes where I am here. I'm actually sitting at the House of Mercy World Headquarters staring out the window and yeah it snowed for like 15 minutes all right yeah hey um i thought that advent week one pet podcast was great with nathan and jeff zupfer and neil bernards it was great oh yeah gonna be a- yeah waiting for the world to begin again our advent podcast that was week one yeah i thought it is turned- there gonna be a week two there is gonna be a week two and i know that uh Technically, right now, we're starting week three, and the podcast will probably post on Monday, week two, So, um, but it's worth it because uh, we got some really good people coming up um, on that week two. Uh, Carrie Khalil is a great piece. Thank you. Many of you know her here, and, uh, and then... Uh, a guy who I just met on Grand Avenue. Maybe you've seen him. He plays the trumpet uh, outside Kowalski's in uh, Cafe Latte. And uh, we talked to him, and he plays some Christmas music for us. So it's going to be fantastic. So look for that coming up. And then uh, maybe even later in the week, you get week three. All right. It'll be... Uh... It'll be a surprise, you know, to see what comes out when. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> hey, and it's, it's not too late, is it, to join the, the ZZEC Book Club? 
Uh, no, uh, it's not too late at all. Um, we've been gathering uh, for two weeks now on Tuesday nights via Zoom at 7 o'clock discussing Zizek's book, Pandemic, COVID-19 Shakes the World. He, it was published in March during the pandemic. And I've just realized in this group and discussing with these great discussion partners that we, if you've ever been in a Bible study or book study, I was mercy, you know, like, you know, all the, all, all the, all the, the people we regularly study was there. But if you haven't, please join too. But I realized in doing this that I had not previously really processed this whole pandemic thing and quarantine and everything. It, it means in, in like kind of a, a rigorous, uh, uh, intellectual way, which is something that we just love to to do, and we haven't. I hadn't really examined it in the same way, and so it's been really fantastic to do that, to process it, uh, intentionally process it. And I, I, to be honest with you, it's not it's intellectually. It's uh, kind of been like a little bit of an emotional support group too that I did not know I needed. Well, I can think that everyone maybe needs that. That sounds great. So, and to get there, you can just follow the link that is in the newsletter you can follow the link that's in the newsletter you can go um i guess we were ahead of our time because now uh that book is uh on back order uh everywhere you go yeah but you can get a kindle copy of it and even if you don't read it you can show up and discuss it because i'm sure you are familiar with the topics (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. The pandemic. Yes. All right. Hey, and I heard we have a guest announcer next. Can you believe it? The first time we've had a guest announcer in, uh, you know, nine months here. The first time on the Sunday Service Podcast. We do indeed have a guest announcer, and it's about this time of year. Uh, you know, we have the uh, the youngster christmas pageant coming up next sunday and here to tell us all about it is our guest announcer ann Britt. hey y'all so uh very exciting um starting uh next week is the house of mercy christmas pageant 2020 so get ready for some wonderful uh acting some beautiful storytelling and some amazing music well, you know, I know, Amber, that everybody looks forward to the uh, the uh, youngster pageant every year, and a uh, lot of cuteness, a lot of really solid performances, and a great script. But tell me, how are we going to do this in these COVID times? Well, believe it or not, we're going to be on Zoom, so that will be a new thing for all of us. Uh, although I'm sure it's not a new thing for any of us, since we've all lived on Zoom for the last nine months. So uh, there will be kids and there will be adults um, saying their lines over Zoom, and uh, anyone and everyone can join us on Zoom. Grandparents, uncles, aunts, uh, that weird cousin of yours, and. Uh, Watch our House of Mercy Christmas pageant over Zoom starting next Sunday at 5 o'clock. Yeah, that'll be fantastic for us all to come together, not in the same place, but in real time at 5 o'clock next Sunday. And uh, 
if in the newsletter you'll be getting the Zoom invitation to the Zoom call for five o'clock. If you don't get the newsletter, but you're hearing this, go to our website, houseofmercy.org, and you can sign up for the newsletter. And uh, also, if you would like to participate, that's right, anybody can t participate uh, of any age, right? Um, yeah. Just uh, send uh, email to info at houseofmercy.org, info at houseofmercy.org, and say, I'd like to participate in the, uh, in the pageant, and Ann Britt will contact you, send you a script. So what is it? People are just going to have their scripts, and they're going to read their lines when they come? Up? That's exactly right. And... Uh there is going to be a push for costumes. So keep those blue pillowcases handy. Keep those uh, bathrobes, you know, lying next to you just in case you're a shepherd. Uh, if you have any beards on hand, those also can be used. No I'm, matter what character you are. It does No, a beard is always appropriate. I love that, that there will be a push for costumes, you know. So basically, we're using the, the level of, like, um, masking in like the Dakotas or Iowa you know it's like it's not required but you know right it's, it's, it's highly here. encouraged it's highly encouraged um, yeah yeah so uh, but we yeah you don't have to wear a mask on the zoom call but you should strongly wear a costume yes yeah. yep and it adds, it adds to the excitement and the joy for everyone involved. Think about the joy that it will add. So that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then you can, you're, you know, all the time, you know, you've, uh, you can invite anybody to this from anywhere who could not make them previously. Um, so this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it will be a great time for us to see each other and uh, get together virtually so good to have you here guest announcing and would you now do the honors this is the house of mercy and welcome to it please join me now in the prayer of invocation god of mercy we're ready for the light fill us with the light that enlightens all people in this time of darkness Prepare us for the coming of the light, so that we may bear witness to the light and love, the mercy and the peace that falls upon us. Cover us and comfort us until the light breaks through, full and for everyone. Amen. Now may the peace of Christ be with you all, and also with you.
Won't you please join me now in the prayers of community? I'll end each prayer with Lord in your mercy and invite you to respond. Hear our prayer. God of mercy, everyone needs a break, some unexpected good thing to happen, a break from worrying about getting sick, getting someone else sick, from worrying about work, from the fear of being out of work, for looking, from looking for work in an impossible situation, from shouting through a mask past the plexiglass, from not seeing, or no, more from not being, with friends and moms and dads and kids, brothers and sisters, neighbors and co-workers even. Everyone needs to give each other a break, some extra understanding, empathy, mercy, five dollars, whatever's needed. Everyone needs to give themselves a break, a break for what they didn't get done, for what shouldn't have been said, for not being able to get out of bed or finish the dishes. Give us the p capacity to let go. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, we pray for everyone working to distribute and administer these vaccines. May this massive effort serve as a turning point, not only in the spread of the virus, but in the fear, distrust, and divisiveness that has been so cynically fostered. May this be a point of hope around which everyone can come together. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, we pray for everyone who is in need of spiritual, emotional, and physical healing. We pray for those in isolation. We pray for those in prisoner, who are prisoners, who especially have not been kept safe and healthy. We pray for those who are imprisoned by addiction, for whom this is an especially difficult time. Give them the help they need or the strength to reach for it themselves. We pray for those of us who struggle with mental illness. We pray especially for those in our lives and community who are fighting corona disease. Especially for Chris Zolkowski's mother, Give her the peace and strength she needs. We pray for those who are dying and for those who are mourning the death of a loved one. Gather all these in your arms, God. Make your presence known and your healing love real. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, we confess that we have not loved you with all that we are. We confess that we have hurt those who we love, those people in our lives and those who pass through our lives with things that we have done, said, left unsaid. We are confident that you judge us with your grace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, now meet us in this time of silence where we have only to breathe and be open to your mercy.
Amen. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptized with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the Gospel of the Lord. I can usually get into the rhythm of the liturgical year, this cyclical sort of practice. It can be meaningful and reassuring. But if one's in a certain space, it could occasionally feel like, oh, you're kidding me. Here we are in the same old place again, trying to work up some sort of feeling of hopeful anticipation. If one was already feeling a heightened awareness of repetitiousness, Groundhog Day syndrome because of the restricted ways we're living our lives now, to try and embrace the same season we observed last year and the year before and the year before, that waiting for the light to come, it could strike one as less hopeful and joyful, filled with eager anticipation and more like, what futility? Like Charlie Brown over and over and over again, believing that Lucy is going to let him kick the football. He falls for it every time. And I've always found that bit frustrating, a little funny maybe, but mostly sad. Sometimes the church seems a little like Charlie Brown, foolish. This year, considering last year, I've been feeling like, is it really responsible or truthful to cultivate a season of Anticipation, anticipation that something good and beautiful is about to come into the world. I mean, think of where we were last year at this time, brushing the snow off our 
coats, our glasses fogging up, the sound of the band playing as we came out of the cold into the warm church to be together with other humans who were breathing, with Christmas trees and candles and lights and children everywhere actually sharing communion, tearing bread off a loaf without thinking we might die or kill somebody because we touched the same thing and didn't sanitize our hands, waiting in expectation for the coming of the light. And then there was 2020, kicking off with the Australian wildfires, incinerating 28 million acres, burning 3 billion animals to death. Next in store for us, the pandemic. So far, over one and a half million people have died often alone, dying all alone. When we were waiting for the world to begin again, for a new thing to come into the world, the light, that's probably not what we were hoping for. But maybe it was the eerie orange light over San Francisco from the West Coast fires that we were looking forward to. I'm just saying, if you were anticipating a bit of comfort and joy, good tidings of great joy for all people, peace on earth, goodwill to men, joy to the world, it's possible you felt disappointed this year. Or maybe the whole point of the cyclical thing is, of course, we're still waiting, always waiting, perpetually waiting. Right now, I don't feel that into that. I might be having a sort of anti-Advent moment, I don't know. Being fully alive in the present moment, letting go of expectation, focusing on the breath seems healthier maybe these days than like cultivating expectation. John the Baptist is sort of the Advent guy. And he doesn't seem like a particularly well-adjusted or happy person. He's so judgy, not so much in our gospel reading, but in Matthew and Luke, threatening. Even now, he says, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Exacting, demanding, calls people snakes, talks about all the wrath to come. So I guess traditionally there is a sort of gloominess to Advent. I mean, more liturgically correct churches don't sing Christmas songs in Advent. They're too cheerful. And we wouldn't want to be prematurely cheerful. But when does a real, true-to-the-bone, not feigned or manufactured, not shallow and falsely optimistic good cheer come? When does the transforming light come into the world? I mean... In one aspect, in terms of, like, the actual physical universe, on December 21st, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, every year, the light does start coming back into the world. A little more every day until it fills up more and more hours, and eventually, eventually it warms the earth, melts the snow, it transforms the face of the earth, really. That did happen. Even in 2020, the days got longer, the dark nights got shorter. That light 
is immensely reliable. And I'm incredibly grateful for it. My whole being, unmanufactured, true to the bone, grateful. That light coming into the world makes a difference. The other morning I woke up and Jim was having his coffee and I sat down by him on the couch and blinked a couple times and was like, wow, weird. I feel so happy for some reason. And he said, the sun is out. And I was like, yep, that's it. The sun makes the world possible. That's not an exaggeration. It's science. The sun is the main source of energy for almost every living thing on Earth. Eventually, cantaloupe and basil and peonies will grow and bloom and flourish because of what it gives them. What gorgeous, extravagant, tangible, and thorough life it brings, rebirth, transformation, so reliably. And the Gospel of John does mean for us to think about the light of creation. God said, let there be light, and there was light, and it was good. The light that comes into the world that is Jesus is the light of creation for John. He actually means to call to mind these utterly tangible beauties that God obviously also delights in. To point to something he thinks is even better. A life so unstoppably giving and generous that it will gather up all things, everything, everyone, extinct and broken, into an unstoppable current of love that will carry it all to radiant wholeness. Which seems kind of hard to believe, maybe a little bit crazy, considering how things often look from here. The Word became flesh and lived among us. And from his fullness, we have received grace upon grace, says John. The radiant energy from our sun is very good. The advent of Jesus in the world, according to the gospel writers, is even better. But to be honest, it doesn't usually feel quite as tangible to me. Though you get a feel from the witnesses, the writers of the gospels, that they think it is that tangible like food, bread and wine, a baby, water, an ever-flowing fountain of thirst-quenching water. It frees the captives, gives people a way out of their small, pinched lives, beset by fear of death and life. Gives people a way to abandon themselves to the ever-present, unstoppable current of love. Cool. But are we just supposed to take their word for it? I mean, I think, like, The theologically correct answer might be, yes, we are supposed to take their word for it. But these days, I confess, I think I might need something more than the testimony of people I don't know who lived 2,000 years ago. In the story we read about John, it's apparent that the religious authorities were concerned about what was going on with John, what he was witnessing to. They sent representatives to question him. Clearly, whatever it is, It doesn't fit within the system they've established. It's coming from outside that well-ordered frame with well-guarded boundaries around the goodness. Whatever's going on with John and Jesus is disruptive to their boundaries. John's an outsider. He surely seems unreliable in their way of understanding, maybe even dangerous. 
The other Gospels stress John's outsiderness by talking about what he wore and ate. He wore camel hair. Camels were an unclean animal. He wears them. He ate wild honey, which was unclean. Locusts were okay to eat, but would have a sense of the plague of Egypt around them. John eats them. The Gospel of John doesn't have anything about what he wears or eats, but he says he's a voice crying in the wilderness, which is a pretty outside thing to be. Crying, make straight the way of the Lord. John seems to indicate that he isn't worthy to prepare the way. He says he's not worthy to untie the thong of the light's sandal. I don't think that's something like false humility or self-abasement. I'm guessing that unworthiness might be part of the point. A worthy person, whatever that means, wouldn't be the right one to prepare this way. Because the way is the path, the road, the route to us. It's how God will reach us, the unworthy, the not righteous, the people who don't have it right, the lost, the broken, all of us. The way of the Lord is a path to us. John talks about making the path straight. Seems like an interesting way to describe it. I don't think that means like draw it with a ruler, straight, laced, not queer. Maybe more like straight, no hesitation. Straight away, go straight there. Shows a sense of eagerness to get to us more than anything about requiring a rigorous determination for a mathematically precise straight line. John is a witness to that eager, loving light coming into the world. I would like to see it. And after a few hours of cynical stewing, I realized I do see it. In you. In this community. Not that we're shining examples of glorious righteousness, not at all, but like seeing that you care about each other, that you commute by bike, try to avoid Amazon, grow your own food, resist sometimes the lies of capitalism, try not to shame your children, the art you make, the music, the creativity you put into living the mercy, the anti-racism work you do, the environmental work, your attempts to live according to an alternative narrative, one that isn't about individualism and money and the vacuous success that our culture promotes. I see you love each other. It's not like John had any super special rightness. He was wrong about a lot of things, judgmental like most of us. Maybe that can give us some hope that we can see it too. Maybe considering 2020, it seems prudent to be cautious about our expectations. There's a vaccine, but the Arctic is still melting. Biden will be president, but he's not going to free the captives or stem the damaging tide of capitalist culture. Those things aren't the light that will carry us on the unstoppable current of love to radiant wholeness for all beings. The light is love. That we are loved and capable of love. That is how we witness to it, the light, how we participate in it. Even the smallest acts of love. I feel often like 
how can I just say love? The word is so overused, misused, a little bit corny, rom-commy, Hallmark Christmas specially. But I guess, of course, the word is insufficient for the way of the Lord, which might seem too good to believe. We might think, I'm not going to be fooled again. I'm no Charlie Brown. The church may be a little crazy trying to let the light of love lead us. Paul does talk about being fools for Christ, which sometimes sounds dumb, but maybe it isn't. Maybe being a little foolish out there is part of the nature of it. John the Baptist, with his camel hair and grasshopper breath, crying in the wilderness is a good one to point the way. You don't have to believe it with all of your heart. A tiny little bit of your heart might do. And even if that comes and goes, John the Baptist was maybe kind of a nut. All judgmental fire and brimstone seemed to believe in a God that wasn't that much like the God that comes in Jesus. And he was still a witness to it. He saw it. So we probably can too. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The light shines in 10,000 places, strangely and beautifully refracted through us. We invite you to gather the cup and the bread and share communion with one another, those who are gathered with you. This is the Lord's table and all are welcome. On the night before he was betrayed, our Lord took bread, gave thanks and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Take and eat. And in the same manner after the meal, he took the cup and said, this is my blood which is poured out for the forgiveness of all sin. As often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. Amen. Sleep.
the light in the darkness. May your anticipation be hope-filled and may your hope be contagious. Amen.